0: Human beings are made to live. And Christmas is really about life itself. And Christ is life. And people are looking for life, but naturally people don't look to Jesus. Children sometimes think that having life means having their own way. And I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes when children don't get their way, they they seem to think they're dying. <laughs> people sometimes look for life in what others think about them. And they, they believe that if people think well of me, if I'm accepted by my peers, then I'll have real life. But if people don't treat me the way that I want to be treated or speak to me the way I want them to speak to me, it's death. Others look for life in their families, in their children, or in their careers. If my kids grow up and do well, then I'll have life. Or if I can just get established in my career and make enough money, then I'll really be living. The whole world is looking for life. This is the great quest. But how can we find life? And the question is do we find life by gratifying our appetites? Upon the world? Or do we find life by the mind's reflection upon Jesus and His Word and all that He is and all of His goodness and the heart's embrace of Him and living in light of all that He is? Let's read together from John, the first chapter, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. And we'll be considering this morning what it means that Christ is the light of the world, is the life of the world. And we'll look at John the Baptist as well. And then how human beings respond to this message of life in in Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us that the word indeed was made flesh and dwelt among us and taught us who God is and what he's like, gave us the light of life and is himself life. And so, Lord, help us to see Jesus more fully, even if just a little more fully today, and that seeing him, we would believe him, and believing him, we would be conformed to him, knowing his love, loving him and others. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we see there are several things in this passage. We could spend a lot of time on any one of them, but I just want to focus on three. Uh, first, we see that Christ is the light of life. What does it mean that Jesus is the light of life? Second, we see John's witness to the, the light. And third, we see the responses, different kinds of responses of mankind to the light. So first, consider that Christ is the light of life. That's what verse 4 says. In him was life. Notice the past tense. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in him was life. This is not saying he's the source of life, though he is. It's not saying that. Before he's the source of life, he is life. Christ is life in himself. He is God, and thus has in himself life, or is life itself He's the living God, but he's not only life. He is the source of all life. That is, he created all things. But more than that, I wonder if you think of your existence this way, that every molecule is being sustained from every side all at once to remain in being. There's a sense in which there's no point of creation to Christ. He's always causing its existence every moment he's the source of life but there is a great sorrow in the world and the sorrow is that our sin brings death adam sinned in the original garden covenant and he brought the curse upon himself and all mankind and what's the result death disease, pain, sorrow, brokenness on the inside, what I mean by that is we're inwardly against ourselves. We are living contradictions. We want life, and we murder ourselves and others. We are all mixed up on the inside, but physically we're, we're dying. We spend our lives dying Death is physical and it's spiritual. There's a death spiritually to love and joy in every man, conflict of sorrow and fear in every soul. And so, by nature, human beings are trying to find life in the world, from the world. When the world's dependent for its life upon life itself, why would we look to the world for life when it's not even the source? It can't be. It isn't. People often look for true life within. This is what our, most of the world today seems to think, is that if we look within ourselves and engage in certain techniques, even modern psychology sometimes d- teaches this, you can feel alive. But your inner world can't give you life. Thinking right, trying to work on yourself on the inside won't make you live. Many lost people look for life in relationships. Even Christians do this too much sometimes. They think if they can just have the marriage they wanted, they'll live. If they can just have a group of close friends, then they'll live. Human relationships can't give life. Others look for life in the pleasures of the world. By pleasures, I really mean addictions, appetites of the world, enslavements to the world, drugs, sex, alcohol, to stimulate the senses and make one feel alive. It's a cheap substitute. It's not real. It'll all die and dull the senses eventually and lead to death. The passions of the flesh can't lead to life. Many people look for life by trying to get others what they want them to do, get others to do what they want. I'm going to make sure you do what I want to me so that I can feel alive. But in the end, it's still only death. All of these are just different pathways to death. They're really all the same pathway. It's all seeking life from something that isn't life. That's the curse That is the curse. The wages of sin is death. Adam sinned and brought death to the whole human race. Romans 5.12 says, Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So death spread to all because all sinned. But this says, this says, In him was life. The life of Jesus Christ overcomes the death of the world that's the good news. Just consider how Jesus overcomes spiritual death and all death. He died for our sins, beloved. Think of all your sins. If in reviewing that list, you, in your mind, you thought there are ways in which I do those things. There's guilt. There's shame because of that. But here's what Jesus did. Let it hit you. Meditate on this. He bled and died and suffered on the cross willingly from love to take your guilt away to take away your shame and your reproach to give himself to you fully justly and fully to draw near to you he he died on the cross and his blood is life For us who are living death. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 says that Jesus took on flesh for a reason. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Isn't that why we chase passions and carnal appetites and don't we fear death we want to really live it's the fear of not really living of death but Christ came to take that away the fear of spiritual death and the fear of physical death Christ is our lives he is the source of all true life and what does that even mean so he came to take death away but is not dying living are you living if you're just not dying? No, not at all. You, you were made to know him. That's what life is. It is the knowledge of the one true God in Jesus. Life is knowing him. Not intellectually, abstractly, not, under, not memorizing the Bible. The devil has the Bible memorized. Not knowing who God is, what kind of God he is. It's not knowing him. Knowing him is communing with him. It is, it is entering by faith into his goodness, wonder, excellence, glory, delighting in him, knowing his love, loving him, honoring him, being honored by him amazingly. That is the knowledge of God. John seventeen three. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you. He didn't just come to take death away. He came to give us the knowledge of Him. It means being satisfied in Him. What does that mean? It means knowing He's enough, even unto death. John 6 35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so if you have life in Jesus, it means you've learned and are learning that this world cannot fill your cravings. That you're learning to practice self-denial, self-restraint. And you're learning to seek the goodness of God in Jesus, to seek Jesus himself, because the goodness of God is him. And where do we see him? And who is he? He's the word from the father, made flesh, who dwelt among us, who died for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us life. What does that even mean? He gives himself to us, beloved. And he invites us to enter in by faith. This was Augustine's experience, an early church father who lived in the 300s, You know, from the time Augustine was a youth, he he was brilliant. He read everything. He was trying to solve the biggest problems of the world. And he he spent his life, though, trying to figure out how how to become happy, which is another way of talking about life. Did you know the Christian faith is actually about your happiness? That's what it's about. It's what Jesus is about. I made you for me and Augustine was looking for this but he was looking for it in the world and in philosophies he was smarter than anyone else around him and he tried to indulge his lusts but in a self-controlled way if you read Augustine's confessions he's like oh I'm going to gratify my appetite not too much though he tried to play the balance there's a story where he saw his sin and how deep it was He was out with his friends one day, and they were not good for each other, these friends. And some of his friends and he just went to this field of apple trees and stole apples out of it. They didn't need the apples. had no need of it. It was just a thrill of stealing the apples. And he couldn't explain himself to himself. He was like, I don't know why I did that. Why did I even do that? He couldn't understand his heart, but his his Christian mother, Monica, prayed continually for him, prayed for his salvation. Augustine spent many years while his mother was praying for him, indulging the pleasures of his flesh, moving from one worldly philosophy to another, trying to figure out how to live. But nothing brought him life until he read something out of the Bible. Augustine says that one day he was sitting on a bench and he was grieving because he felt that his heart was dead. Imagine that. Here's a man who knows probably more than almost anyone in his day. He was, he, he was a genius. Maybe the, the most intelligent and profound of all the church fathers, even in terms of just his intellect. No one could match him, but he felt dead. But then he heard some children chanting a song, Tole lege, Tole lege, which in Latin means take up and read, take up and read. And he thought, I'll pick up and read the Bible. So he just picked it up and opened it up. And he read Romans 13, 13 and 14, and here's what it, it says. And this is the verse God used to convert him. Let us walk properly as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he thought, that must mean Christ is great, is able to save and give life. And when he read those words, the spirit entered into his heart by his own testimony, and he came to Jesus and was saved. Augustine wrote this, quote, With the end of this sentence, by a light, as it were, of confidence, now darted into my heart, all the darkness of doubting vanished away. That passage is actually one of repentance. It says, Christ is Lord, Christ is Savior, trust him and repent. All that's in those words that he read. And so Jesus is our life these words tell us something else they say he was life do you see that in verse 4 in him was life now that goes all the way back to before creation he is life in himself but it's also in the garden and after the garden and through the whole old testament it's all times jesus christ is life he's been the only way of life even in the Old Testament that's what all the Bible is about if we read the Bible we're not thinking this has something to do with Jesus what's the connection to life to God in Christ we're reading it wrong you have to try learn to read the Bible that way because it's not all evidently directly about him but it is all about him and this is what the New Testament teaches us there's only one Savior who gives life throughout the whole Bible Jesus was always the life, even in the Old Testament. But then if you look with me at verses 3 and 4, it says, And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. So what does it mean that the life is the light of men? Well, it means that the life who is Jesus illuminates darkness. He is the revelation of the way of life. He is the revelation of life itself. That's who he is. And he reveals himself in the incarnation by coming into this world, living among us. He tabernacles among us, according to the Bible, and teaches us what life really is. And the light of the gospel puts Christ on display is in his incarnate life, his substitutionary death, and his glorious resurrection. God reveals life in Jesus, in the Bible, but not only in the New Testament. In the Old Testament as well, the Old Testament sacrificial system pointed To Jesus and his sacrifice. The Old Testament priesthood was light that pointed to the priesthood of the Lord Jesus. The Old Testament temple was a light that pointed to Christ, who is a very temple of God. The Old Testament patriarchs were types, shadows of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Israel itself, verse 5 tells us that the darkness could not overcome this light. So, what does that mean? What is the darkness? Well, first, it's our own natural, just human limitation. that unless God reveals himself to us, we can't see him. That was true even in the garden before the fall. But after the fall, the darkness is, is deeper than that. It is not just our creaturely limitation that needs the revelation of God. After the fall, it's our sin and refusal to see that Jesus could be and is set right before us and we refuse to see his goodness. It's moral. It's 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 a moral darkness, a moral rebellion against Jesus, but the light pierces it by the power of the Spirit. And so we've first seen that the Son of God is the light of life and the darkness has not overcome it. That means the darkness cannot extinguish it In fact, just think of ways that the darkness tried to extinguish the light of Jesus. The mobs formed to stone him, but Jesus walked right through the mob. That's a miracle. The religious leaders tried to silence Jesus, but the message kept spreading. They nailed him to a cross to kill him, and then what happened? They tried to extinguish the light. He rose from the dead. And so there we see that the Son of God is the light of life. But second, consider that John the Baptist is a witness to the light. You can see this in verses 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. So here we see John the Baptist's ministry. What was his ministry? Not to be the light, but to bear witness of the light. What did he preach, Jesus? He preached about Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He was a witness. This is what every preacher should be, not just preachers like me, but like you. Every Christian should be like John the Baptist and minister Jesus and not get distracted from him. That's the first thing we see about John the Baptist's ministry. Second, verse 7 says that John preached so that all might believe through him. He preached for faith in the Messiah. And this is how we should minister as well. Not for secondary reasons, not for reasons of our own benefit, not to get what we want out of something, but we should, we should seek to minister that others would believe in Jesus And then third, verse 8 tells us John the Baptist knew he was not the light. He couldn't drive back the darkness himself. He was dependent upon Christ to do the saving. He is life. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it this way. He says, we're meant to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And to tell them that he is the son of God. And that he has come into this world in order to save men and women We're meant to tell men exactly why the world is as it is. We're meant to tell them about sin and the human heart and that nobody and nothing can deal with it save the Son of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're very ready to talk about our doctors and to praise the man who cured us when so many failed. We talk about some business which is better than others. Or about films and plays and actors and actresses and a thousand and one other things. We're always glorifying people. The world is full of it, but the Christian is meant to be praising and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be preaching so that all might believe. That's all of us. To proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what we're to be doing. Now, this, this time of year, this season, we have... Opportunities to gather with family. Some of those relationships are difficult. Um, and yet what we should be thinking is, I'm looking for a way to speak of Jesus somehow. Give me wisdom about when to say it, where to say it, how to say it. We should be looking for an opportunity to bear witness of the light. We're not the light. We can't fix our families where there's brokenness. But what we can do is speak Of the light. He calls on us to tell others that life is in Jesus. Come to Jesus and you'll live forever. Knowing Jesus will satisfy your heart. That's different than telling people about the law. Now sometimes people might need to know the law. Christ is actually the full embodiment of the law. And yet giving people a message of that they need to change or what they're doing is wrong isn't the same as bearing witness of the light might be part of it, but we have to bear witness of the light. And so let me tell you about Jesus. God made you for himself. He created you in his image for true and everlasting life. But the bad news is this. You and I have terrible sin in our hearts. And sin, what is the problem with sin? It's that it Breaks our relationship with God. It separates us from Him. Your sin and my sin means that we deserve to die. And the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the good news, the light, is that Jesus Christ died instead of poor sinners. He rose from the dead, He defeated death. Your sin and mine deserves the anger and the judgment of God. But, but Jesus, do you think of it this way? He took his judgment on himself. Who's the judge? Christ. That's what the Bible says. He is the judge on the last day. But what he did when he came into this world was not to judge the world, but to judge himself to pour his wrath out upon himself, to reconcile us to himself. And that when we come to him, the good news is that his spirit dwells within us and teaches us his love, his goodness, and how to love, and how to walk in his way, to know him, to love him, to love others. And so like John the Baptist, let's preach this gospel in our families. Let's preach it in our churches. Let's preach it in our workplaces and all of our relationships. And so there we see that John came to bear witness about the light. We're also to bear witness about the light. Third, this text shows us how human beings respond to the light. So there's a natural response and then there's an unnatural response. First, this tells us that human beings naturally reject the light. You can see it there in our text. Verses 9 through 11 say, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Just think of that. This light enlightens everyone. He was in the world. The world was made through him. But the world that he made and that he shows himself to did not know him. There's a blindness, an ignorance, a willful ignorance, a natural ignorance. But he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So what does this mean, that the true light enlightens everyone? It means the gospel goes out to all. It always has. You know, we see Melchizedek, who, how did he get the gospel? You know, he wasn't in any covenant that we're aware of, but it was there before the old covenant was there. There are people all through the Bible who somehow know of Jesus. And they're not Israelites because the gospel came right after the fall and it's always been in the world and always indiscriminately going to all. That's what the Bible teaches. But Jesus came to the people of the Old Covenant, his own people, the Jewish nation. They had the word of God. They had all the types and the shadows. They had the promises and the prophecies of Christ. And when he appeared... They should have recognized him, but they didn't. They rejected him. Unless we be too hard on the Jews, we need, we need to remember that the same thing happened with the Gentiles. Pontius Pilate heard the gospel from Christ's own lips. There was the light of life right there, speaking to him. But with a cold and hard part, Pilate turned Christ over to be crucified because that was more convenient. And he loved his own comforts more than life who stood before him. The same hardness of heart can be seen in churches. Some people come and they listen to the word of God day in and day out. They're taught sound doctrine, but they're hard on the inside. They remain in their sins. They refuse to repent, they continue in their worldliness, they continue in the lusts of the flesh they hear the truth and they can recite to you the doctrines of the gospel but they will not believe or change they don't love their spouses and children as Christ taught them that's where it shows up first always in those closest to us they don't love their friends the way Christ taught them their brothers and sisters in Christ and they reject Jesus just like the world has even though they have God's truth But Jesus came to that kind of people. He came to those who are stubborn and resistant. And if we trust him, he gives us his life. He conquers our darkness through his love. So that's the first response that people have is they resist him in hardness of heart. But the second response is that they receive him. That's a supernatural response. That is not how people can respond to Jesus by nature. But you see it in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you get the life of Christ? You simply receive. You don't go get it. You don't muster it up in yourself. You receive him, his name. You believe in his name. That's what receive means, to believe in his name. What is his name? Jesus Yahweh saves. We don't save ourselves. You believe in his name, Jesus. He saves. Christ, the Messiah, or the King. You believe that he is who he reveals himself to be. That's how you receive him. You believe him. And if you receive Jesus through faith, this says God gives you the right to become the children of God. That's true life. True life is everything. Entering into the family of God. Because what is life? It's a relationship, a knowledge of God. How do we have that? In the family of God. Adopted as his children, with free access to the Father, in union and communion with him, knowing his love, loving him, receiving his promises, entering into his inheritance. As a child of God the Father, That you receive him by grace through faith alone heaven is yours eternal life belongs to you the holy spirit is the seal and as god's child you have the right to everything that is his that's what it means to live and then verse 13 clarifies even further and says who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god so how are we born again well there are three things that ways that we're not born again first it says not of blood it's not through bloodlines you do not enter into life through bloodlines has nothing to do with your father your mother your family you don't inherit it that way not by natural birth nor the will of the flesh it's not according to your will The flesh refers to the the seed of desire in the Bible. So it's not according to passions or emotions or cravings. You know, there are people who think, well, I'm a child of God because I really felt something one time. It's got nothing to do with that. (laughs) Nor the will of man. You can't be born into God's family by self-determining choice. It's not according to any of these things. So how do you come into his family? How are you born into his family? Well, it says you're born of God it's not from you doesn't originate from you or human uh, anything having to do with human beings it's you're born of God God has to invade your heart so here here's you say okay that sounds great I want to be born again (laughs) I want Christ brother Tom tell me well my only question for you is do you see him you see him at all, he's opened your eyes to see his goodness, to see his character, to see all that he's done. Will you trust him? If so, he's yours. So if you're seeking him, he's already opened your heart. There's some of you here today who may profess faith in Christ, but you haven't been baptized. I would invite you to consider that. In fact, Christ commands it. If you're trusting in Jesus and you have not yet received baptism as a means of grace and as a sign of Christ's death and resurrection, I would call you to baptism and to join the church and to join with God's people. Follow him. Keep his commandment. Profess faith in him publicly and be held accountable and walk together with God's people. And so Christ is the light of life. He is the source of life. He's the one who reveals what real life is because he is true and eternal life. This is what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus. It's about life, and he is life eternal. Let's close with prayer. Lord, we thank you that you're so kind to us that you have not allowed the darkness to overcome the light but that the light pierces the darkness, that Christ is the light of life who has invaded our hearts. Help us to believe him and to live in light of the knowledge of so great a Savior, to grow in communion with him, to know his love and to love him. Lord, I pray that you bless our church, that you bless us in communion with each other. Help us this Christmas time to bear witness of you in love, by grace, in Jesus' name, amen.